Thank you everyone for joining us. It is our very first podcast with IWSCC, Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada. We're trying something completely different here, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, my name is Deidre Guy, and I am a co-founder and president of the IWSCC. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we do, and I'm sure that's probably most of you, uh, we are a certifying body to certify either uh, veteran business owners or disabled business owners as diverse suppliers uh, and provide them with networking opportunities to be able to um, get themselves into supply chains of corporate, corporate Canada and governments. So we are here to talk about supplier diversity, but we're also here to talk about um, the stigma surrounding suppliers who have disabilities, the stigma surrounding diverse suppliers. We want to do our best to eliminate that and certainly to shine a light on, on just how many things that people think about diverse suppliers can be a myth. And we want to help people understand what does supplier diversity mean and to learn a little bit more about the real world uh, of procurement uh, from diverse business owners. So with us today, we are lucky enough to have Cassandra Dorrington from CAMSI, or Canadian Aboriginal Minority Supplier Council. Uh, and also we have uh, Catherine Gross from WBE Canada, or Women Business Enterprise Canada. So I'm going to turn it over to them a little bit. We'll start with Cassandra. Uh, Cassandra, thanks so much for being here. I know that you're hosting a very busy event, one of the first in-person events for supplier diversity uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, we're so excited to have you here and thank you very much. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what does CAMSI do and what do you do uh, with CAMSI, our, our Canadian Aboriginal Minority <laughs> Supplier Council? Well, first of all, let me say congratulations on your first podcast. A wonderful initiative and we're delighted to be part of this. And so even though it's a day of our event, I thought it's important enough to give some time because I just think it's an important initiative in the education communication you'll do with this podcast. So my name, Cassandra Dorrington, as you've indicated, and Camp C, which is a not-for-profit national organization, and we focus on identifying and certifying those businesses that are Indigenous-owned and or minority or people of color-owned, 51% owned managing control, and we connect them up into corporate Canada's supply chain. And I'd like to say corporate Canada and beyond, because what happens is Canada's not this little island anymore. We are connected into the U.S., we are connected globally, and so it's our... It's our mission for my t myself and my team to make sure we have not only identified and certified, we have provided the resources and support to enable our suppliers to actually get connected and actually become successful. And if we do that, what we, what we endeavor by doing that is not only we build wealth within that small community and the community that they service, but we're actually building for a stronger Canadian economy overall. That's great. Thank you, Cassandra. And so... You've told us a little bit about CAMC as an organization. What do you do at CAMC <laughs> currently? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a little currently. bit down the road about how you used to work and what yeah. you used to do with CAMC. Yeah. But right now, what is your role? Yeah, it's almost like chief cook and bottle washer, right? <laughs> because as president and CEO of CAMC, what I do is work with the team. We have a strategy for what we want to be able to accomplish. And with that strategy, from our mission and vision, it's how do I implement the strategy? So overarching, my role as the CEO is really to lead the to be the leader of setting the tone for what the team does, setting the tone for our stakeholders, making sure that I'm out there, the face of Campsy, that we're connecting the dots through, through, through corporate, be it through the government connection, be it through our partners. I'm building the brand, taking the Campsy brand across the Canadian landscape and beyond. My whole point is to make sure we, uh, 
we get the message out, much like you're doing with their podcast. My whole goal is not only to lay the strategy and help the team implement the strategy, to make sure the external communications and the branding is important so people understand who we are, what we do. And if they're looking for diverse suppliers, where to come to, or if they're looking to build their program, where to come to. That's my whole goal. Well, thank you. And um, I've, I've known you, I think we're somewhere in the area about eight years or so since we first met. And the same with you too, Catherine. And, and Cassandra, you've always had such incredible passion. Uh, that's my dog coming in. <laughs> <laughs> I've had the door a little bit open so he can sneak in so he doesn't mind to get in. <laughs> and he decided to open it. But I've, I've noticed the passion that you have and you're always so well-spoken. I, I go to you when I want to learn about how to say things and, and, and how to approach a, a topic. So thank you so much uh, for being a leader in this space. Uh, I, I really leaned on you a lot and I really appreciate your help. Uh, so thank Catherine, um, I know you're a little newer in the, the supply council side of supplier diversity, but you certainly have been around for a long time in the supplier diversity world. But what I wanna know now is a little bit, we'll, we'll talk a bit uh, later about uh, what you used to do uh, prior to your role now with Weeby, but tell us about Weeby Canada, WBE Canada Women Business Enterprise, uh, and and what your role is with them. Thank you, Deidre, and thank you for having me here. And uh, I'm very excited. This is my first podcast, so oh, good. <laughs> uh, I will learn with you here, and I can't wait to see the end result here. Uh, this is really exciting for me, too. Something new all the time going on in supplier diversity once again. Thank yeah. you, Deidre, and congratulations on this thank effort. Um, so I'm Catherine Gross. I, am, uh, I lead corporate memberships over at WBE Canada. I... My previous role was with BMO, um, financial group across Canada and the United States, managing their supplier diversity program. I have 15 plus years in supplier diversity, and I joined Weeby Canada in January of 2021 after I retired in December of 2020. So my role there is to uh, work with corporates um, and identifying and supporting corporates in um, their journey with their supplier diversity programs, whether it's across the U.S. or across Canada. And also, Weeby Canada is the certification body. So everything Cassandra said about, you know, certification, 51% or more owned, operated, managed, et cetera, we do that on the women's side. So we certify the women owned businesses across Canada. We like to say that we are Canada. Um, our, your, our business is in Canada. We look after uh, Canadian women entrepreneurs, uh, making sure that they're getting certified. All our data, all our services, all our tax, everything stays in Canada when you're with WBE Canada. Okay, that sounds great. And so your role is working with corporates on building their own supplier diversity program. Correct, helping them with their journey, their right, supplier diversity right. journey. And I know that that was one of the things that surprised me when I first got involved with supplier diversity. And I was initially uh, a supplier working with a woman-owned company and went to, uh, I think my first event was a CAMSI event, actually, but there was a Weeby one right in around the same time, too. So I kind of confused them, but uh, that's kind of me. Uh, and it's interesting, our next podcast, we have Laurie Benson on, and she was the first one I met at that CAMSI <laughs> event. So, <laughs> so it's kind of neat how that all worked out. But I remember being a little bit surprised as I got to learn a bit more that the corporates didn't necessarily have it all together when it came to their supplier diversity programs and that people were, were on a journey uh, from the corporate end of things as much as from the supplier end of things. So, uh, so you'll have a lot of information about that sort of later in the podcast. Uh, and now... Um, 
I was going to outline some of the other supply councils that are uh, out there because there are more diversities mm -hmm. than the ones that we yes. present. But I'd like to have you lovely folks do that instead, if you don't mind. So um, so I think we have, what, three or four more other supply councils, three three more? If you guys could describe the, the others that are involved in the in the supplier diversity world in Canada. Okay, let me let me jump in for that because usually when I when I talk to people, I usually talk about their six certifying bodies in Canada. Okay. And so of course under SDAC they'll come across uh, we be Canada, they'll come across CAMPC, they'll come across IWSCC, but they'll also come across CGLCC. But the LGBT plus community, the entrepreneurial side, that's what Daryl manages within that. We'll also have we Connect International, which is another women's body out of the U.S. that has sort of the international certification of women. And last but not least, we'll have uh, Canadian Council of Aboriginal Business, CCAB, who certify Indigenous business owners. So there's six of us in total in the Canadian space. And, um, and in particular, I mean, the four who are covered under SDAC, we work closely together, but there's also connections as others who listen to your podcast will know between us and whether it's CCAB or between us and We Connect International. Because for the most part, it is a tight little community. There are corporates who are looking for this, the diversity in Canada, and how do they make that happen? So tell us a bit more about SDAC, because we haven't talked about that at all. Oh, well, the, well I'm delighted to talk about <laughs> SDAC. I thought you might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, Supplier Diversity Alliance Canada, it's... Um, it's an organization, and really it's the overarching umbrella of, as I said, CGLCC, CAMPC, IWSCC, and Weeby Canada. The whole purpose of coming together is the purpose of advocacy to the government for research and for education. One by one, when we go to the government, we are small players, but as a collective going to the government, we've been able to have a much larger voice. So under SDAC, I'm delighted to say in January, the federal government actually announced the, the approval of the social procurement policy. And that was because of all the advocacy SDAC has done to say the Canadian government's the biggest federal organization in Canada. If they do not buy into this, who else would? And if they do, what impact will have on the community? So SDAC has been strong from that advocacy perspective. We're also doing it with local municipalities. And we're seeing that City of Toronto's on board, City of Brampton's on board. We have a couple other cities who are talking to us about coming on board. The other thing from research, we haven't done as much research but it's imperative that we as a group come together to identify whether it is one of the resources required from the entrepreneurs that we service. You know, what are the steps along their journey that are common, that are distinct, that we can actually fill in the gaps for? From our corporates, what is the, what is the state of supplier diversity in Canada from the corporates that we service? It's going to be important for us for research to come together to have enough bulk to be able to say what message this is telling us in the Canadian space. The education piece we do, we've been doing for probably the past, I don't know, four or five years. We've been coming together for at least one or two education sessions a year. We, we bring our corporates and our suppliers, and we use it as an outreach event. So those who are not in the space, these suppliers not in the space but thinking about it, we bring them to the table so they can understand what is certification, how it's a market access to what benefits come with that. And we bring a couple of corporates so that they will meet with the suppliers as the suppliers are dipping their toe into the water saying, oh, this is kind of interesting. This will help me grow my business. So those are the real benefits of SDAC. Yeah, so um, thank you, Cassandra. A, a, a couple of thoughts in there. I'm uh, looking forward to our events that we're going to uh, this year with SDAC. It's nice to get back into person, yes. in-person events. And, and so we have uh, in July, uh, we are in Halifax. We are in, uh, no, not Cape Britain this time, New Brunswick, PEI, and where else? 
the uh, valley. East Coast, the valley, yes. And then yes. we're heading to Vancouver later in July. July is going to be a great month. Uh, <laughs> we don't have all the details for that as well uh, as of yet. But so that's some of the things that we're doing uh, yes. with the SDAC and, and Supplier Diversity Alliance Council. So I want to I want to take this back a step, and I want to and and Catherine, I'm going to call on you for this. I want to talk to people about supplier diversity, but I really want to plain language it up. Like I want to make it very simple because I remember it took me quite a while to figure out what this all meant. Uh, I knew nothing about supply chains. I knew about being an entrepreneur, but I did not understand about how supply chains and all of that came together, especially with large corporations. So uh, Catherine, can you just in your words and try to be uh, sort of layman's type terms without uh, using our, our sort of corporate speak that we use because we're in this world of supplier diversity. Tell me what supplier diversity is, explain it. Okay, so let's talk about what supplier diversity is not. Okay. Um, and let's talk about what supplier diversity is. So I always say, as a corporation out there, let's talk about the corporate side first. As a corporation out there, when you think of your organization being diverse in nature, you think of three things. You think about your customer and the communities in which you serve your customers and how you're serving those um, uh, diverse communities. You think of your DEI or your DNI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or your diversity and in inclusion. You think about that, which is your talent internally. And that's your talent within your within your organization and making sure that, you know, that your um, that diverse um, individuals are being seen in senior leadership roles, that your board is diverse, that your, you know, your your um, your talent is diverse, your employee resource groups are getting the support they need, etc. The part we're talking about today is supplier diversity. And that's your supply chain. Think of everybody you, you order um, pencils, pens, computers, um, janitorial, construction, you name it. And all of those um, businesses that you order from um, and where they sit in your supply chain and how diverse is your supply chain. And so as a corporation, how do you identify a diverse business for your supply chain to bring in to support your journey with supplier diversity as a corporate. So this is where corporates then come out to councils like IWSCC, CAM, CWB Canada, CGLCC, and others, and, and identify who are the diverse suppliers that have certified with these groups, these certification organizations slash bodies. And this is where we where corporates rely on the certification process, whether it's for minority, indigenous, LGBT, women, veteran, or disabled, y'all the work you all we all do to make sure that um, the corporates get what they need on a, from a diverse supplier. Now, those suppliers who come into our organizations to get certified, if you go to any of our websites, you can find out what it will take to get yourself certified. High level, um, not to take up this whole podcast on what what's involved <laughs> with certification. Um, let's just talk about the high level. And that is, you must be 51% or greater owned, operated, and managed by any of those communities. You must be a have a B2B business, business to business, and you must be for profit to qualify 
to become certified with any of us. So supplier diversity is not for every business out there then. You can't no. just sign up every business that's owned, in my case, by someone with a disability and they're going to have success. Talk about that and why it's only the particular types of businesses that are successful. Mm-hmm. So so to be true to the programs, the, the supplier diversity programs that came out of the U.S., there are guidelines mm-hmm. around ensuring that you do have control of your business. So if you have 51% of um the shareholder um, shareholder profitability, you are in your business day-to-day and you have your operations day-to-day and you, man- you truly do manage the payroll at the end of the day, you sign the checks at the end of the day. Those are, that, that can be, um, that, that is what we're looking for around certification. If it's 50-50 with your spouse, let's say, let's use um, our, our, um, a non-minority or a non-Indigenous, etc., um, and it's 50-50 ownership, well, do you truly have full ownership of that company to be able to make that, to make the final decision on your, on your company, to be able to say, no, we're not moving in that direction, to finalize the strategy, to say, no, I don't like the way it's going here, we're going this way. Do you truly then have full control right. of your company? Does that make sense? Maybe Cassandra could add yeah, some more color yeah. to that. Yeah, Cassandra, yeah. did you have anything to share with that? Yeah, the, all, I would like to add to that, and Catherine's done a great job of simply saying, we don't certify holding companies. We're right. certifying you're actually a product, you're actually producing a product or service. We want to be very clear on that. And when Catherine's talking about the 51% or greater, we want you to have the we want you to have the autonomy to make decisions. Because what happens, you'll hire people who look like you. And what you're actually doing is building wealth in that community. The whole purpose of this was driving generational wealth for those those communities who had been underrepresented at the supply table or at the procurement table for a long time. So that's why, you know, as we work with the government, the government says, well, we have SME policies for small and medium-sized yeah. enterprises. Yes, we're encompassed in that, but we're hidden inside there. There are actually other obstacles that are preventing the groups that we're talking about from getting to the table. So we want to be very clear on why is these distinct groups that we've identified as underrepresented. And then what we're what will actually generate the fact that they will actually generate wealth in their communities if they get to make decisions, if they get to grow capacity, if they get to hire people who look like them. And that's the whole purpose what supplier diversity is meant to do. You try to sort of create, um, correct that underrepresentation and have everyone contributing into society, so to speak. That's great. Thank you. And, you know, I, I look at it too, like, um, when you when you have that diversity, whatever it happens to be within the different mm-hmm. groups that, that we support and, and represent, your experience is different. So yeah. your decisions are going to be different. Your entire journey to entrepreneurship is different. Uh, you, you probably have had to work harder, honestly, uh, realistically, and you probably have had to shine brighter and, and, you know, jump through more hoops. And so you've learned from that. And I think that those learnings are really important uh, when it comes to being a diverse supplier. And something that I hope that corporates, and Catherine, you can probably shed some light on this, but I hope that our other corporates recognize that that whole difference in terms of the type of supplier that they're dealing with. And they're not just doing this because that person happens to be black or disabled, but that also comes with this incredible wealth and innovation and stick-to-itiveness and you know, when we always say when you when you live outside the box, you think outside the box. So from the corporate world, which we'll talk about just shortly, 
Uh, Catherine, would you say that corporates do respect that and unrecognize that? Is that something that we're seeing in this biodiversity world? Yes, and I'm seeing it more and more. Um, working on the other side of the fence now, as a not as as in in the uh, not for profit side of it, and working with corporates, and it's often asked, you know, what? Well, why can't? Why wouldn't you have a supplier self identify? Um, and you know, in the, in those cases, I always say, well, you could if you wanted to to maybe use that information to support. Um, asking that that supplier to uh, get certified so they can be a part of your supplier diversity journey. But from collecting that data uh, for um, uncertified or self, self-declared into your numbers at the end of the day may not be such a great idea. Uh, I can give you a really good example. Um, so at BMO, I was, we were audited um, just before I left. And uh, we did pass with flying colors because our program stated that uh, we are using certified diverse suppliers mm-hmm. and um, in our program. And we were asked, prove it. Prove that I, under your tier two program and under your tier one program, yeah. not to confuse people with tiers right now, yeah. but prove it. And we were able to do that with the new registration portal we had just built the year before. So we were very fortunate there to be able to um, support that. We've seen fraud. Um, when mm-hmm. I was, um, uh, um, we've seen where we've done on-site visits to uh, entrepreneurs who say they're women-owned. And you get there. And it's quite apparent that they're not truly women-owned. And it's the husband who truly owns the business, yeah. and um, you know this this can become uh, very dangerous to us as as certifying bodies if we're ever challenged by our corporate members or our entrepreneurs who are certified. This could become a real problem for us if we can't prove that yes, we certified them through the right processes, and yes, they truly are fit within the description of the 51% or greater owned, operated, managed, and controlled. If I could piggyback on what Catherine sure. said, I think the site visits are vital to validation and verification of what they said they are, they are. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, we recertify it on a yearly basis. And that means if ownership or anything has changed, each of the councils are going back to validate again, is it truly 51% owned, managed, and controlled? And I think that that's a surety that we give to corporate members, that we are doing the due diligence on that. So I I get a a question, and this sort of leads to that uh, often when I'm talking to people. I don't want to say often, but it comes up um, where people ask me, how do you get to be the certifying body? Like who decided that the way you're doing this is correct? Who who made those rules up and who regulates the certifying bodies? And so it makes me think, uh, you know, I, I want to share with people, where did supplier diversity come from? What is the history of it? And, and how do we get to be where we are certifying bodies? Did we just make this up out of thin air? Or how did it come about? So Cassandra, I always love hearing you talk about that. So can you share with us kind of the history? But I also would like, and both of you can jump in on this, of course, uh, a, a, an idea of the landscape as it is currently. Like, what are all the other places that are doing supplier diversity besides Canada? You know, who else and what, what are their programs? Okay. Well, it, it's a big actual, question. I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's a very, it's a very simple question, and it's all self-contained. And I paused because this morning, when I sort of opened my conference today, I made a note that we had a number of international players with us over the two days, and 
and one in particular, NMSDC, who is the grandmother, grandfather of all of supply diversity. So and they're celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. They indeed, while supply diversity started in Chicago probably about 51 years or so ago, it became formalized as an entity under NMSDC 50 years ago. So again, I always start out, you had fighting in the streets, civil rights were going on, think of that at the time, fighting in the streets, and the powers to be to say, how do we solve this problem? It's the problem of haves and have-nots. If we actually give the have-nots more part in the economy, actually put riches in their hand, we will solve that problem. And so as a result of that, the powers to be said, in government uh, bidding, we want to start to include the have-nots in government bidding. So they actually put in place the supplier diversity program that was put in place first for blacks because of the civil rights. After that, then they start moving. They added women to that. And then we started adding the U.S. a number of the other underrepresented groups to that umbrella. So and this in, in this in particular was tied to government programming. So if you're doing business or procurement with the government, they're looking for who else are you doing? Uh, who else? Who are you buying from? What do the numbers look like? So therefore, the government was actually seeing money going into the have nots. Now, this. This was working so well in the U.S. that the auto, the auto sector, the auto sector, the ICT sector, and um, financial institutions of Canada said, if this works in, in the U.S., and they actually saw it, they actually saw people, businesses start to grow, money going back in the community, people being educated as a result of that. There's an automotive corridor that comes up through Ontario. And so the auto said, why aren't we doing that north of the border? We know they have underrepresented groups there. So in 2004, they actually, just before 2004, because CAMSI was established 2004, they actually, so whether it be, it was Chrysler at the time, it was RBC at the time, it was Dell, it was IBM, there was a host of them who said, we should do that in Canada and let's establish CAMSI. We will use the same rigor that the NMSDC has put in place so we can validate this ownership management control, customize it for whatever the Canadian equivalent will be for, you know, what are your underrepresented groups, and let's establish that and put it in place. So. It was so the same parameters that have been in place for the U.S., the same rigor that we've overlaid on that. So then when CAPSI started, it was probably, I think, five years later, We Be Canada started. So Oren Ben, my predecessor, worked with Mary Anderson, Sylvia's predecessor, and said, okay, let's help you carve a program that looks like women will be certified in Canada. CGLCC had always been a chamber of commerce, but probably about a couple years later, 2012 or 13, they said, we want to do procurement as well. So they were using the same model from NMSDC CAMSI to WEBI to CGLCC. And so similarly when you came on board. So this has come through from the grandmother, grandfather of all, the same rigor, the same process. So when I said, who's made you that? This has worked well. It's been defended and audited in the U.S. In the Canadian landscape, I would say we're self-regulated, but we're using all the same parameters. So my, my organization, my corporates, can rest assured that what they see from CAPSI, they will see the same in the U.S. And they trust it that's been done in the U.S. And BDR, actually, the billion-dollar roundtable audits, if they're putting money in from the U.S. and they're putting global dollars, the billion-dollar roundtable actually audits to make sure that some of that's going on. So I rest assured that I tell my corporates that they're seeing a tried-and-true program that's come up through the U.S. into Canada. And so is the U.S. and Canada the only uh, areas in the world that have supplier diversity programs? Well, again, I go back to NMSDC started. The next country that came to was Canada. After Canada, they went to the UK. So MSDUK actually has a program in place. And then after that, they went to Australia. So Supply Nation has a program in place. 
I think uh, they finally formalized, I think uh, South Africa was formalized after Supply Nation. And so those were the offshoots coming to the MSTC. Most recently, New Zealand has come to the table because CAMC, in conjunction with my other global councils, we have what we call Global Supplier Diversity Alliance. And what we want to do is create a bridge for corporates who can go around the globe to find local suppliers or to identify underrepresented or how do I start a program in your country. So New Zealand has come to the table to GSTA and said, uh, we want to learn from you fellas and how do we do that? So they're the new kid on the block. We've also had a few other countries come to the table to ask GSDA, how do we actually go and put a council in place to do exactly what you're doing to help drive uh, representation for the underrepresented to the table with procurement? So those are the primary drivers right now from an NMSDC. Um, we, uh, we Connect International, much less an offshoot again, has some, some regions around the globe, but I don't know exactly where they are. And I've also done work with um, uh, CGLCC's equivalent in Europe. So I know okay. there's a couple bodies there that do that as well. But again, these are all bodies who know each other, mm -hmm. and we're all coming sort of, uh, sort of fruit from the same tree, so to speak. And so do you know about their process? Is it consistent with what we use here in Canada? 51% yes, yes. all of that is consistent. Yes, with? yes. Yeah. You, you, go to any of the, you go to any of these ones, it's the same, it's the same methodology. Okay. Catherine, you, I see you were having something to say. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so with WB Canada, um, uh, we have mirrored our program around Women Business, and, uh, Women Business Enterprise National Council out of the United States. So using best practices, uh, as we talked about before, that are true, tried, and tested throughout the United States, we did not reinvent the wheel around supplier diversity here in Canada. We, we just took the program from the U.S., brought it into Canada, made sure that we're within um, the laws of, the, uh, of Canada, mm -hmm. especially the Privacy Act, etc., and um, built out WB Canada here. Now, we are governed by our board of directors. We do not build out a strategy. We do not make moves. We do not spend money without our board of directors who are made up of our corporate members. Um, we, are, we are totally governed by our, our board, made up of our corporate members and driven by the various committees as well that we have put in place to ensure that um, we are moving in the right direction, making sure that we're spending um, our corporate money and our Weeby money, um, certification money wisely, et cetera. So when it comes to governing WB Canada, it is our board of directors and all of who are made up of our corporate members. And I know, um, well, certainly with IWSCC, we did not reinvent the wheel either. We followed along in your path and, and yeah. didn't make any yeah. changes. So there's no point in doing that. And, I, and, I, and, you know, so everybody has their boards in place. So, Cassandra, I know I hear you often refer to your board as well and, and Daryl as well. So, so that's fantastic. So we're going to wind down a little bit as we get to the end of the podcast. But I, I do want to hear something a little more personal. Um, and so I'm curious to know, and this is information that I don't already have, where most of what you've already said, I, I did I did already have that information. This is information that I don't have. So I'm, I'm curious to know, and Catherine, if you would start first, 
what has your personal journey in supplier diversity been like? Like, where? How did you start with it back in the day? What was it like? What was the landscape like? What was? What were your thoughts? Just a little, share a little bit about it, and, and we'll take some bad as well as good if there's some. <laughs> oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Let me tell you what we have in supplier diversity today, and where we have come from back from 2007 when I first got involved with CAMC and um, across the U.S. and Canada in this program to where we are today is like night and day. Um, so my journey started when I was with BMO. I did, um, we had a supplier diversity program across the United States and Canada. And at that time, we had an individual down in Chicago who knew supplier diversity. She was very uh, much involved with supplier diversity throughout the United States. So she was asked to bring it up to Canada. I was asked to assist her. So I started off with 25% of my job on the side of my desk, working with her, helping to be her feet, ears, eyes on the ground here in Canada as we developed our program into, into the Canadian marketplace. And at that time, you know, supplier diversity wasn't that well known throughout Canada. So there was a lot of work to be done. So I grew up from there. And then there was, um, when she left, I was asked, I took over the uh, supplier diversity program at BMO across Canada and the United States. And it, it was just such a huge undertaking. It became a little bit too much. So we hired someone to be feet on the ground in the U.S. so I could focus on looking at the Canadian marketplace and really help push the Canadian marketplace in supplier diversity and start, you know, talking more with our corporate partner, with our, our um, suppliers at BMO, etc. We went from um, next to nothing to this fabulous program when I left. I think it was fabulous anyways, but we took it, brought it to a best in class and it took a team of people. So it went from one and a quarter person to one person to when I left four, four oh, right. people on the team. And it is a journey and it yeah. is a learning curve and um, you learn a lot uh, from day one to the time you end up, um, you know, for me, retirement in 2020. And then I still didn't feel fulfilled. Like I still needed to do more with the supplier diversity in Canada. I thought I'm going to really miss this because I've done so much work mm -hmm. in this space for Canada and um, talking to corporate members and things like that. Um, I was offered a role, a part-time role here at uh, WBE Canada. And so I'm, I'm fortunate enough to continue to stay in, in the loop and stay in this role and continue to um, um, continue to promote supplier diversity across Canada. And uh, yeah, that's my journey. That's very cool. And, and so did you have a decision point at some point where you decided to take that 75% of your desk and get rid of it and move it to 100% supplier diversity? Yes, yes. Good. That's a really good point. For anyone watching this that might be in my shoes back then, um, and you're doing, and a lot of, a lot of our corporate partners are doing this off the side of their desk. Um, it takes time and it takes the journey, but before I knew it, 75% of my role was with supplier diversity and I kept having to push my other role off to other people and having that conversation with my boss until finally they said, okay, enough is enough. Let's get this moving. And let's, let's, Catherine, full-time supplier diversity. And it was like, whew, now think what I could do now that I could do this full-time. So yes. And, and, and I hear that a lot from my, our corporate, well, you know, I, I, I'm doing this off the side of my desk together with my full-time job. 
So, yeah, good point. That's great. All right, Cassandra, let, let's hear about your journey and how did it, how did you get started? What made you decide to to follow this path? I'm so curious and interested. I'm I'm sure I've told you this story before. I uh, well, ran maybe, my own consulting. Maybe it'll sound I ran, familiar. <laughs> yeah, I ran my own consulting firm, right? And so I, I'm a sort of a corporate turn, Deloitte consulting turn, my own consulting. So, and I was living between the Caribbean and Nova Scotia, having a grand time. But part of living in Nova Scotia, I was chair of a board, Black Business Initiative. So when uh, Oren Ben, who ran Campsie, he first started, so it was probably 2004. He was making his 2004 through 2004. He's making his way across Canada meeting with black organization and racialized organizations to say, this is what we're doing here and try to get the word out. So I'm at an information session. He comes to Nova Scotia and introduces what he's doing. So Rustam and I, the, who's the CEO at the time, said, that's a neat initiative. We want to be part of that, you know. So I had my own business. And I said, I'm going to sign up as a supplier. So I signed up as one of the first 12 suppliers that Campsie had, Bell and Associates oh, wow. did. Wow. And so I got into the network, and Oren said, you know, we have conferences that we participate with NMSDC in the States, and you have to get to the – so I went down to one of the conferences in the States as a supplier for Campsie. I was absolutely blown away. I walked into – I think it, my first one could have been, let's say, San Diego. I walked into an auditorium that had 7,000, 8,000 people who looked like me, who were doing business. And it's like, oh, my God. I just – I was just overwhelmed by – the enthusiasm, the expertise, the professionalism that, I mean, I'm looking for role models and mentors, and these are people who look like me. It blew me away. And that's when I said, you know, I, I want to utilize this network. So I'm sort of going to the conferences, but by this time, my sister and I were working between the Caribbean and Nova Scotia. I didn't really use the Canadian procurement system as much. Most of my stuff was in the Caribbean. So I'm at a U.S. conference. Oren's getting ready to retire, and he taps me on the shoulder. And he said, Cassandra, are you interested in working for, uh, you know, working in Campsie? I said, got a job. I'm good. Yeah, like what I'm doing. He said, but, you know, there's there's so much to do here. And he said, you know, because you're a supplier, you know, the network is really be, it'd be up your alley. And he said, you get to, you know, get to travel across Canada, tell your story and everything else. I said, I travel a whole lot. I'm, I'm really, I'm really okay. But I sat back and I thought about what he just said, because Campsie had moved this much, but there was this much to go. And so as I thought about it, I had to have a long discussion with my business partner, my sister, to say, I think I might take the job, but I'm only going to do it for a year or two. I'm going to go up and put some process in place. And so we'll come back and we'll continue running the company. I interviewed and I remember, you know, Cisco was at the table, HP was at the table, and I was pretty excited, you know, this is what I can do. I came up and, and I, I tell this to everybody, I thought this was in my mind, my corporate mind, my consulting mind, I'd put a process in place, this, 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 put the right people in place, and it would happen. Well, a year or two later, I realized there's a lot to be done, and it takes more than me. I had to build a whole lot of relationships, and I had to lay a whole lot of seeds to allow that to grow. And so my two, year, my two years turned into 10 years, and... I am delighted the fact that it was not just me anymore, that as the other councils joined, we became a larger force, a larger collective in Canada. I really built strong relationships with my council partners in the U.S. who taught me so much about what this means, what the, what the benefits truly look like, how, what the intricacies of driving a strong program. My global counterparts have been nothing except generous with their expertise, whether I'm in Australia, learning for how the government's a strong part of that of the U.K., 
that enabled me to be a lot more confident in being able to push my program forward and hopefully lay the foundation for where CAMPC is today. So for me, it's been an incredible journey of uh, generosity, expertise, and all those things that come together to make that make this network what it is today. Wow, no, I had not heard that story before. So that's very mm-hmm. cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So I see that we're getting really close to the end of our time, but uh, I just want to close with uh, a question for both of you, and that is, what would you say to someone who wants to get involved in supplier diversity? What would you say to a supplier who is diverse owned, uh, who wants who wants answers? What would you tell them? And what would you say to a, a corporate that's looking to start their supplier diversity policy? Just some quick little words of wisdom. And that's for both of you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump in. Suppliers don't want to be in supplier diversity. That's not what they're coming for. Suppliers want to grow their business. Right. We want to provide them the tools to grow their business. We want to provide them customization that helps them understand the value they bring to the table. So suppliers never want to get supply diversity. They want to grow their business. So for us, it's how do we help you grow your business? For corporates, corporates want to get, corporates are looking for the best suppliers. We want them to acknowledge to them that they might have missed some in the fact that there's been all these business startups in these diverse businesses. They need to be able to pull those into the fold and see how best to be able to utilize this diversity, this innovation inside their business. And for corporates, we want to say, I was talking to someone this morning, and they're like, oh my God, there's so much to learn. As you've heard Catherine use the term, and I'll use the term, it's a journey. It's a journey. Start, recognize where you are. There's so much to learn. Put one foot in front of the other. There are peers, there are organizations, there are resources. We can help you do that. Allow us to help you grow a strong, robust program. With suppliers, we want to get you interested. We, this is your market access tool. Mm-hmm. When you think of how much money you spend on this, that, and whatnot, this, gets, this opens up a whole network to you that you, on, even if you had 10 people or 20 people, could not be able to access as well as joining this network. And once that opens up to you, there's resources, there's mentors, there's coaches who will help them along their way. All right, Catherine, real quick from you, your thoughts. I think the best way to explain it, um, and I and uh, I remember a gentleman, um, I won't mention names, from uh, NMSDC who was here at one of the KMC conferences many years ago. And he was talking about how he was talking with all of the various groups within um, the automotive industry, all the different automotive companies out of Michigan. He was at this big event and they were talking about the future of automobiles. And they were talking about the future of automobiles being um, being fully um, bottom line, very very quickly high level. You would pick up the phone, you would you would order your car. Um, do you need your car to go just you? Do you need to go to the airport? Do you need your car to go to um, a meeting? Do you have need to have a board meeting in your car? Whatever it is, and you get a car and it comes to your your door. And he was talking to the suppliers in the audience at that time and stating, like, take a look at the future and where the future is going and making sure that your, your, um, making sure that your business is growing with the industries out there and where they're going. No more, um, homes will require a garage. No more gasoline. You know, um, if you're dependent on transportation, um, and you have a transportation company, logistics company, whatever it is, maybe start rethinking about about your business. Um, and he also talked about um, how this one individual went into, um, it was one of the big auto industries and wanted to talk to someone about 
selling his product for the auto industry. And the auto industry, this person at the, at the desk said, I don't know. So he went to one of the others and the woman at the desk reception said, I don't know where to send you. And he finally ended up with one of the other big guys. And um, I can't remember if it was Mercedes or BMW in Michigan. And they said, oh, let me introduce you to someone. He sold his product for $3 million. And then they turned around and sold it to all the other industries for multi-billions of dollars. And what is it? It's that thing on your on your uh, mirror that shows that that car is making a showing everybody your signal indicator on your mirror. That's what he had sold. And so he's saying to the people in the in the audience, it's organizations like KMC, WB Canada, IWSCC that you want to do business with because they can get you in front of the right buyers within those industries or they have a general direction of where to get you in front of those buyers so that you can make sure that you can really sell your product or your service to the right people and be fair and get fair value for it. So those were a few lessons I learned. Yes, thank you for those. Well, uh, thank you both very much for being here. We've come to the end of our very first podcast. Yay! Uh, <laughs> it's party time! <laughs> so thank you once again for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your super busy day. We can hear your conference going on in the background. I'm so happy that it's been so successful. Um, so really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure entirely. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon.